0: Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order, additional terms apply.
1: Welcome to The Connection, a weekly radio
2: program where we share our experiences and expertise with stories of caring, courage,
1: and change right here in Connecticut. Listen to learn about needed resources to improve your well-being and transform your life. Now, here are the hosts of The Connection, Lisa
2: DeMattis-Lapore and Anne Baldwin. Well, hello, everybody, and happy new year. It's great to be back. I'm one of your co hosts, Ann Baldwin. I am the president of Baldwin Media Marketing, and I am Lisa Dematis Lapori, the CEO from The Connection. Well, it's great to uh, be back in the studio again, Lisa, and uh, talking about great things. We've just got You know, so many things, and we've gotten so much feedback from this program, too, that people really do appreciate the advice and the services and and all the information that we passed along. So today I decided I wish you could see him, but you can't because I always say this and I'm, I'm maybe being inappropriate. But we've got, like, the cutest PIO in the universe on the program today. (laughs) and Where? Right here. It's you. And you've you've already guessed it. It's uh, Deputy Chief Brian Foley with the Hartford Police Department. And, Brian, we thought it would be great to have you on just because, you know, to talk about with the connection and all their services and the opioid crisis – you know, what's going on in our inner cities. And, you know, I know that day in and day out, people are out there fighting the fight, but are we winning the battle? I mean, I guess is the big question.
1: Uh, first of all, I can name like 10 other cuter PIOs uh, than me. That's for really? sure. Right. Oh. Off. Yeah. Pretty Prove much name, it. pretty much Prove name it. any PIO. <laughs> oh, they're all cute. <laughs> yeah.
2: That's one of their prerequisites. <laughs> oh, no, thanks
1: for having me on this morning though. Uh, I, I, is, uh, thanks for having me on. But uh, it's a huge issue, uh, not just for the city of Hartford, but the entire state and the, the entire country now. Um, and things are really changing uh, rapidly in in the drug market and, and, and the things we're seeing on the streets of Hartford.
2: How are they changing? I mean, I know that from what I've seen and from what I've read, you know, the, the opioids themselves have taken on you know a, a whole new life you know people are concocting these things now that are deadly even with narcan sometimes people aren't responding so is is it the is it that activity that's, that's...
1: exactly it so what we're seeing now is all right so probably what i was, it was in here last year we talked about fentanyl being found in the yeah. mixed in with the heroin and how deadly fentanyl was when it's mixed in with heroin uh well what we've, We got to a point where we were looking out as police officers, looking out and being extra careful in case we stumbled upon fentanyl during our, our drug raids and our heroin operations. It's to the point now where we're seeing heroin take, I mean fentanyl, take over for heroin. So fentanyl is now the drug that people are just using straight. Wow. And the reasons for this are, are pretty simple. It is so much cheaper to make produce and get fentanyl into the United States than it is heroin so you're looking at about a third of a cost so uh, on average a bag of, of fentanyl that's uh, sold in the street is about a dollar thirty or so and heroin can be about uh, two or three times that so it's cheaper it's more deadly it's easier to get in here and it's in its purest form this a package of fentanyl that can get a hundred thousand hits out of it is very small the size of a, a business envelope full of uh, powder and that's that's uh easy to get into the country easy to smuggle um and, and incredibly dangerous so we're seeing fentanyl take over for heroin and to the point now where we expect fentanyl every day Uh, in our in our search warrants and arrest warrants gee last night we we, our officers had a bunch of hits every week we're we're doing search warrants where we're actually finding pure fentanyl fentanyl mixed in with bags it creates a problem for our officers a safety problem obviously we we've trained for it and studied as as have all officers in the region now on how to respond do you
0: i have a question so with the safety guards that you're putting in can you share a little bit about sort of what those are because I have the same concern sure. for the staff our staff in the in the in my agency who are you know we have over you know overdoses etc yep. and it's, I'm really really concerned
1: well right off the bat uh, we didn't want to wait around for any policies or the legal aspects of it we got fentanyl into the hands I'm sorry we got Narcan into the hands of our detectives yes, we have that, too. that are yeah. handling uh, mm-hmm. the, the fentanyl then we use skin protection you know gloves yeah. and breathing apparatus uh, as well that that obviously helps protect our, our detectives. We plan for it, what happens if there is an exposure. Now, some of the things a, a, a police department does on entry into an apartment building are, let's say we, have, we know there's drugs in this apartment building and we have officers and we're gonna hit it. Uh, there's some dangers involved. And so as an officer, when you're going in, you do you want to limit your breathing and your eye your visibility because you're wearing a face mask to protect yourself from fentanyl? So those are I'm, I'm from fentanyl. So those are some of the dangers that they face and the questions that they do. So now I'm gonna I'm gonna limit my scope of vision for bad guys with guns, cause I have a face mask on to protect my breathing of fentanyl that's in the air. Now as they enter, let's say they breach a door really hard and it smashes against where the drugs are. Now that, that the drugs can become atomized. We have we use a device called a flashbang. You throw it through a window, and it creates a massive, loud explosion that stuns everybody in the apartment building. That gives our officers five or ten seconds to get in and get as sa- safely established before anyone knows what's going on. That explosion atomizes the, ah. fet- uh, the fentanyl. Mm-hmm. We sent uh, 12 of our uh, SWAT team members to the hospital last year as a result of that exact situation. Uh, so so it's a danger for our, our, our detectives. We have fe- we have Narcan available for our our dogs, our canines that work.
2: Wow, with our I detectives. didn't even think didn't of that.
1: Yeah, we came, and we had uh, we had some people come in and train our, our detectives on how to use it for the dogs. I mean, these dogs are sticking their faces right in, oh and, my god, uh, That's and getting right. paid to find it with their noses. So you can imagine the dangers. And there has been uh, overdoses of dogs uh, with, with due to due to smelling the fentanyl or the heroin, and, and Narcan has uh, saved them. Uh, we haven't had to have it here in Hartford, yeah. but we are certainly uh, all all prepared for it.
2: Wow. Well, if you're just tuning in, we're speaking with Deputy Chief Brian Foley from the Hartford Police Department, uh, Ann Baldwin, and Lisa DeMattis-Lopore. So it's an airborne thing. It's an airborne drug. It can get in your eyes. It can, if you it's, a breathe it, it's, it's a powder. It's a powder. It's a very okay. fine
1: powder, and just like talc or something, something like that. And if you hit it the wrong way or if you impact it, it can become airborne. Mm-hmm. Uh, it can also get absorbed through your skin. It's, right. it's incredibly potent, very, incredibly very dangerous, real. and dangerous, you yeah. know it's it's mm-hmm. it's replaced heroin mm-hmm. now,
2: and it's addictive. I'm assuming. Oh, you know, it's I, just
1: like every other opioid, right. only much much more potent and and just as or more addictive than.
2: You know, next. I go back to my rehab days, and I remember um, one of the guys in the in the group was talking about. Heroin, and the first time that he ever did it, and he and he shared that he said, I said to the dealer, you know, how long is this going to last? Meaning the effects, because I got to be home for dinner, and the dealer said, for the rest of your life, you know. So, so that's what we're dealing with. One time, you know, you yep. think about, you know, these other gateway drugs, and you get to the point where you still people still need the high, and they want it cheaper, and they want it faster, and this is this is it, and it can be manufactured, right? You yep. can, it, you don't have to grow it, Correct. you can just manufacture it. So, and Lisa, you must see people come in with this kind of problem all the time. And, uh, on and, a daily basis. And how are you dealing with it? How do you deal with a, an addiction like this?
0: It's just so hard. You know, um, folks right now are, you know, the, it's so rampant and it's so horrific right now. You know, we, our, our staff are walking around with Narcan around their neck right and um, you know we have precautions like you're saying because we have to go through you know people's bags and you know make sure that they're not bringing things in but uh, you know how that that works right they still could and um, we have you know folks that are you know on suboxone right now and you know trying to get through treatment and trying to get through recovery but it's just really hard I don't have the answer Anne. I wish I did um, day by day you know, we're, it's, we're seeing this epidemic, and we're really, it's, it's like back, it makes me think of back in the 80s when I first started working in the field, and there was that, hero, you know, the heroin epidemic. We're back again, this is worse
2: you know and it's not just here it's not just in Hartford oh. it's it's all, no, it's all over the country no. it's all over the country and and so you know what are the solutions I mean what are you doing on the streets and do you is there an answer or is it gonna gonna get better I mean is there any hope
1: well so let's say five years ago uh, maybe ten years ago when I was working in Frog Hollow the epicenter of heroin here oh, in yeah. Connecticut uh, we started to do operations drug operations and we started to see the increase of people buying drugs Every time you talk to somebody, you know, well, how do you you'd have a moment of clarity with them when you sit them down and they're, you know, they're getting ready to go to jail and you talk to them and, you know, how did this happen to you? And and you know, you see that human being and that soul
0: exactly. And
1: they they reveal, you know, ninety five times out of a hundred, it was pills. It started with pills. Mm-hmm. Now they, one one person would say it's from a an Injury, accident, right? yeah, a <laughs> hospital. Another person was at a you know college party and they were popping pills. You know, right. It didn't matter how, but it all started with pills. You're looking at 10 years to get out. It takes you know it took 10 years to get into it for that real painkiller surge through the medical community, which started all this. Yeah, you're looking at another 10 years of legislation just to get out of it. Um, so in the meantime, treatment, uh, treatment, treatment, and education and exactly. awareness. Exactly. Uh, we're starting a program for diversion. And so let's say we arrest a prostitute who's just absolutely strung out on uh, heroin or or opioids what's the worst thing we can do to her It's probably put her in jail right um, it's, and you know now you're looking at a figure to appear down the road because as soon as she gets out she's not going to be held as soon as she gets out, she's not going to go to court. She's, you know, she's strung out on that next hit. Uh, So we're going to, instead of arresting these people and building up their criminal record and making their their lives worse, we're going to give them the opportunity to go right into treatment. And this is through the Department of Mental Health and Addiction Services in the state of Connecticut. And those are
0: programs that we have, and that's exactly what we're doing. So we're seeing people that are coming out. We're actually excited because it looks like we're going to, be opening a women's program for uh, women coming right out of prison which is really exciting because there's that's don't get me started. That's sort of my heart of, you know, the lack of especially female beds in Connecticut. Um, and again, that's what we've been doing all these years is education, right? Yep. Counseling, going back to the root of how this all started with the person and trying to, you know, work these things out. It's like peeling an onion. And these stories are all horrific.
2: You know, and the connection works very closely with a lot of their programs with the Department of Corrections. Yep. And we've had the commissioner in here. And, you know, he said, that that isn't the answer. Incarceration isn't the answer. We've also had people on this program that were in jail for other offenses and saw those people trying to detox. You know, throwing up violently and all kinds of other things. And you know, and they don't really care about that, do they? They're going to throw you behind the bars and you know, detoxing. I can't imagine. I know what it is from alcohol, but um, I can't even imagine. You know what some of the side effects are and frankly it can be deadly if you just throw somebody out there to detox all by themselves it's it should be medically assisted I think
1: Commissioner Semple from the Department of Corrections is actually working with us on our diversion program great as a state we're lucky to have a guy that's oh, he's so fantastic. nuanced in regards to right. addiction 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 treatment mm-hmm. uh, in our prison system and and he does a fantastic job he's an absolute close partner with the Hartford Police Department with us I consider him a friend uh, and, and they're they're taking incredibly nuanced or new yeah. steps uh, to look at the other side of things and how we've done it in the past. And now let's look at the other side and how things you know haven't worked and what we can do to, to make things better.' You know,
0: he's, he is really amazing. He's very bright and very yeah. committed and he's really taking this on full storm in Connecticut. And we're really lucky to have someone like him he what gets it he does and you know let's talk
2: about the stereotype and let's talk about the demographic of these people that are getting into this opioid um you know addiction mess you know it's not you talked about frog hollow but it's not just in frog
1: hollow no oh, it's no. A,
2: it's it's in the suburbs it, it's, it's everywhere, everywhere. so
1: right? I, so in the suburbs it's uh you know where i live you know people talk about you know hartford and and i've actually heard and people in law enforcement their cops say well you know all the heroin's coming from Hartford, so that's where all the heroin's coming, Hartford. And, I, and I'm like, wow, that's weird. I've, you know, been there twenty-three years. I've never seen an op- uh, po- a poppy field in there. I've never seen a heroin factory in there. So it 's coming from somewhere, yeah, but it's not coming from Hartford. it 's ending up where poverty, where poverty is, and that's where it's being sold and people are coming in uh, it, there's people in the city that buy it just as much as, as outside, absolutely. and I want to give that to, that misconception. Mm-hmm. People love to say that, um, but it is absolutely affecting the entire state it every is. single town
0: every single town
1: yep
2: right and and you know, and like I said, you know you see now people are being more bold even with you know, these young people and you read these obituaries and you read that they died of an overdose because the parents want to know that, look at this face, look at my young son or daughter, and this is why they're not here anymore because of this particular issue. So what do you recommend for people, Brian? You know, you talked a little bit about programs and accessing programs but I know you know in my addiction my head was so screwed up I didn't even know how to go about it so now it sounds like with Department of Corrections with programs like you know at the connection that there are resources out there but somebody has to lead the horse to water
1: the, And you can only do so much and I've talked about this before too it seems like one in ten one person in ten there can get cured from from heroin through treatment so it takes you know a lot of times going in and out of treatment before it seems like someone finally uh does get get cured and and it's just such a a a long and and hopeless wait for people to get cured from this i don't think they ever do get cured uh, per se but uh to get themselves completely clean um again it's the opioid legislation i think that's going to stymie it uh Mm -hmm. for to start with and then in the long term we're never going to get rid of Heroin no, addiction no. and painkiller addiction, but it's an epidemic now. I mean, our our overdoses in the, in the city alone are, are you know 41 or so a year. You know, a few years ago, and we're going to be up over 120 uh, right. this year. Uh, so if if people were dying from bullets at that rate, uh, that th- th- it would be a national outcry um, as to what's happening. So um, it's it's awareness. People should be aware of the problem. But let me play
2: devil's advocate here a little bit because legislation. I mean, can we really are laws really going to make a difference? You know, legislation as far as what? uh, Doctors not writing as many scripts. Yes, yes, yeah. And I've seen, controls, but you know what? I've seen firsthand how that's gone to another extreme. And I'll give you an example. I went to my primary care physician. I hate to fly. So back in the days, I do like three shots of Jack and get on the plane, but because I don't drink anymore and I'm in recovery, that's not an (laughs) option. So I need Xanax okay just to fly there one for there and one for back my doctor won't even won't even hear about it i've got to send her my flight information and then she'll give me two one for the trip there and one for the trip back and i fly a lot i fly a lot for work i fly to see my family what a pain in the ass
1: yeah i think that kind of thing is kind of necessary i have to say there is is. there's a street value for xanax yeah we see the xanax in the pill population sure uh I know it's a pain. Unfortunately, it's a product of where we are and, and product of abuse from before, and now that's where we are now.
0: I guess you're going to... This is a true story. It's the same thing for my dog to fly. They will only... Seriously, because a person could take those pills. So to to for my bachi... Little shih tzu, My shih tzu to fly, they will only give me... I had to do the same thing. I had to show them when we were going. I'm not kidding. And all of that. And I thought to myself you know, in a way, I mean, I, it was a pain in the neck, but good for them. Like they really wanted to know we were flying and they only gave me a very minimal amount.
1: Well, wow. Your dog takes Xanax.
0: So my dog had to take Xanax to It works, man. I'm telling you. Just to calm him down. <laughs> yeah. But, but seriously, it was a really huge thing for the dog. And I thought, well, hey, if this is w- w- how people are controlling things across, kudos for them. But it wasn't, it was annoying because it was this whole big thing. They wanted to see. I thought, you've got to be kidding me.
2: Yeah, and she runs, she's the CEO of The Connection, which is a mental health and organization. <laughs> it doesn't and matter. It doesn't but matter thought, who you are, I, I No, but
0: that is a true story, and I, I thought, believe you. well, that's really interesting. I had a conversation over Christmas with my um, husband's uncle, who is a pediatrician, we got into this whole th- in Long Island, and he's been, in you know, a pediatrician for years, and we got into this whole conversation about exactly what we're talking about. And, you know, um you know, prescribing, you know, drugs. He said to me, I do not prescribe, nor will I prescribe, um, prescribe any of these addictive medications to any of my of my clients. I don't. The kids I see. And he sees them up to 18. He said that we really shouldn't be writing any scripts that is potential for addiction until they're really of an adult age, and then it really has to be time-limited and yep. really warranted. Yep. He said, I won't do it.
1: Yep, you, 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 everyone that you talk to goes in, just about everyone in their life has gone either to a dentist or in for a minor surgery, and you leave with a big script for oh a yeah. ton of painkillers that you're never going to use. Yep. Um, and, and, you know, how hospitals are judged is based on pain tolerance. And so doctors, in order to improve the ratings of their hospitals internally, we're issuing large amounts of painkillers to people just to prevent the pain tolerance from coming down. It's preventing those types of th- those types of laws to stop that. And I believe they've already done that. Mm-hmm. Uh, we work closely with Dr. Wolf out of oh, yeah. uh, St. Francis, yep. who's just fantastic. He's he the head of the explains ER a lot of this uh, to Wolf. us. Yeah, he's great. He and and so they, they've already taken a lot of measures to slow that down. So everything is really speeding in the right direction. It's just going to take a long time yeah. to and correct we, it.
0: I agree. We're finally seeing a change. With our clients, we have women's programs. The women will be, you know, pregnant, yep. etc. They'll go. They go in. They have a C-section and. When I first started 20 years ago, you know, they would be writing them scripts knowing that they had an addiction problem, knowing that they were going back to residential with their child. And there has been a huge shift in now prescribing something else as opposed to, you know, a pain med or something that's addictive. And if they do, it's, we're supervising it. We, the staff are getting the script as opposed to handing it to the client when they leave. So there are changes that I'm seeing that is positive, right? But we still have a very long way to go. Yep how has the opioid problem i mean why is that a bigger problem than alcohol
2: um you know and i i i'm not not real knowledgeable about you know you've probably seen people under the influence you both have of opioids I mean what happens to a well, person? well they're
1: different I don't want uh, uh, someone someone that's high on heroin is much less uh, problematic than someone that's drunk on alcohol really for us yeah the problem with with the heroin com- for us is the violence that's associated with it now back in the 80s you had the crack ap- mm-hmm. epidemic that saw a lot of violence with it and it never really came with heroin there was never really a lot of uh, supply and demand as bad as as the crack was where you had the violence but that's certainly changed and so many of our homicides are now narcotics-related, specifically to uh, heroin, fentanyl, and in our and it's the heroin, fentanyl dealers. The arrest we had this week, uh, with with the fentanyl, with the heroin, were uh, an AK-47, an AR AR-15, uh, and four pistols. We're all on the same uh, same arrest warrant that we did. So you're seeing the guns with the heroin and the violence that's associated with it. Not necessarily the person that's high is is the problem now how the person that's high is going to feed their addiction. That's a different story. Now you look out in the suburbs, the burglaries and auto thefts are through the roof, Mm -hmm. absolutely through the roof. And that that larceny, burglary, auto theft situation is hand in hand with heroin addiction. Mm -hmm. A person doesn't have a job, they need to get high, they're going to steal. When they're done stealing from their family, now they go outward and that's, that's the, the cycle. And we see, we see a spike in the last three years, three or four years, when the heroin problem really skyrocketed of not just overdose deaths but also the larcenies, the auto thefts. Our auto theft recovery in the city, cars from the suburbs brought into the city is up 140 percent wow uh in two years unbelievable. So people are stealing cars bring them into the city trading them for for drugs same thing happens with guns now someone will rip off a house in in a suburb, suburb suburban town and they'll get into the attic or the basement and they'll find guns they bring those into the city trade them easily for drugs now we have the guns on the streets in the city same things with states like new hampshire and vermont where the gun laws are lax they'll buy the guns up there ship them down here to Hartford, trade it off for bulk bulk heroin. We had a, a burglary in Ledyard, I believe. A dozen guns were stolen in the burglary. Within 45 minutes, all 12 of those guns were sold on the streets of Hartford.
2: Wow. Isn't that amazing? So
1: that's the problem. Right. It's different than alcohol. Alcohol is the fights and the driving.
2: Right. What does the average opioid addict spend a day on their
1: habit oh, that varies you know it depends on where they're buying and, and what they're buying I guess like I said a bag of fentanyl if you buy it in bulk is, is down just over a dollar but you know the heroin fentanyl in the street uh, just hand to hand is three to four dollars a bag and that's not a whole lot and you look at people that can get by on on you know one to five bags a day and then as the problem gets worse five to ten and then ten to twenty bags a day and you know start doing the math on that that's every single day and they have to keep paying for that it really does add up, and, and now they have to feed that that, that habit somehow.
2: Right. What are some of the warning signs of somebody? You know, if people are out there listening and, and not sure if their loved one or someone they know is doing opioids, what are some of the warning signs, if you will?
1: Well, so there, there's some of the the stealing the hiding of things, the spoons, you know, you talk about parents who, have, who would, their, their spoons would start disappearing out of their, their kitchen cabinet. The spoons used for, to mix heroin and water and then uh, it's heated up and then uh, to take, drawn in the needle and then used in their arms. So uh, the two, two things that I say is look for burned spoons or spoons missing from your, your kitchen cabinet. How simple. Yep. And then the black rubber bands that they, t- they tie the bundles with. Uh, or the, the papers that, you know, if you're a parent, educate yourself. Go Google what a bag of heroin looks like. Mm-hmm. Uh, just, just Google what what the stuff looks like. They're little, little tissue mm-hmm. or wax-like envelopes. Uh, you see those papers around. It would look in, in, completely innocuous if you were to j- walk by on the street and see it on the ground. Uh, Those and the black rubber bands that that are used to tie uh, a bundle of, you know, eight bags together at once, those black rubber bands, you see them lying around in cars or on the floors and bedrooms and such. Uh, That's a a pretty good indication that there's there's some good heroin, a good amount of heroin moving in and out. Wow. It's it's amazing. Missing
0: money, you know, money missing, erratic behavior. Um, lack of taking ADL skills, taking care of yourself, secrets, locking the door, missing school. I mean, there's, there's thousands. Medicine of cabinet cleaned out. Medicine, that's huge medicine. You know, things are missing. Count your pills. I mean, there's so many things and there, you know, it's this ongoing problem that I think always has been is people will come in and, you know, they my girlfriend was telling me I had a party and I, when I went to use the bathroom, I realized why is that medicine cabinet like a jar and she thought oh my god these kids are like going through my medicine cabinet and she just totally freaked out and she went in there and you know there was a a, a, you know pills that were missing she was so upset so she's like what am I going to do I mean these are and again you're talking about middle to upper class right these kids are all going to private not that it matters all go to private school and she said what the hell did I do she called every parent she was really upset
1: yeah, party's over. I don't blame her. That's, no uh, that's trouble. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And you have to think like that. You know, you don't want to be paranoid and you don't want to be judgmental, but you got to, you got to be aware that, you know, if you don't have an addiction, someone else might. I mean, and
0: I, and the other thing too was another friend told me she had a party. Same thing. Kids are over. Left a necklace on, expensive necklace in her room. Gone. Right. on. Yep. Yeah. Theft.
2: Yeah, that's, that's exactly it. Well, the good news is that there is help out there too, you know. And, Absolutely. And I want to give you folks out there listening um, information. If you're looking for resources or you or your, or someone you know might have an issue, whether it's this, whether it's, you know, all the other things that people face in life, you can go to theconnectioninc.org, theconnectioninc, all one word, .org, or they also have a toll-free helpline, and that number is 855 855- 43579558554357955 Brian you know you're out there and you're you know you're either there when it happens or you're there after I mean you must have seen some horrible things and some lives lost that you know maybe didn't have to happen if someone just would have reached out and said you know what I need help or
1: yeah, the hardest part that you see is, and I, I can remember some with with incredible clarity, some exact moments, so you, it's, you know, look, you see overdoses, you see death um, as a cop in Hartford and, and it affects you, but when you see that person that's so close to death, they're still alive and they're using 20 bags a day and they're out there as a prostitute or as a thief and, and you know, you know, this person's beyond the point of no return and it's All just right. so sad and you feel so helpless. Uh and those are the cases where we're so excited to get our diversion program going so great just get them in there get them in front of something Just, just for yourself that you feel better that you tried to do something I remember there was a car parked on Zion Street, and it was gutted out, and the windows were smashed. And there was a girl; she was probably about 18 or 19. She was living in the back seat of the car. It was early, like on a Sunday morning, like 6:30. And, and I, I was checking the car out, thinking it was stolen and abandoned there. And I, and I, had walked up on it, and and there was a girl in the back, and she woke up, and and you, could, she at one time you could tell she was absolutely beautiful, and um, she was from um, out west in 44. I won't just name the town, but. Uh, and you could tell that she had parents that, that had cared for her at one point and now she's living in this car. She's doing God knows what I'm gonna imagine for for the money, uh, for her twenty bag, twenty bags a day, twenty to thirty bags a day that she was doing. Um, and she had the scabs and, and it was you just like you're like, Wow, this is a this is a zombie and, and how do I get this girl help? And did you? Uh, back then, there weren't a lot of uh, avenues for it. So we're, you're, you're, we're talking. This is probably 99, I think, yeah. uh, 2000. Um, and it was just. It was just horrifying to me to, you know, to have to walk away from something yeah. like that. She's not guilty of anything, right? You know, and, and what do you do? You know, what do and, you do? And, uh, it was just sad.
2: Yeah, it is. It's horrible. But like you said, I mean, the resources, the programs, the education, um, all the, you know, all that goes with that has gotten better. But, you know, you got you to gotta want it. And I can tell you, someone in recovery, taking that first step, you've got to want it. And it's not easy. Yep. And it can be a painful process to get better. But in the end, it's so worth it. Yep. You know, it's hard to tell somebody who's already addicted that things can get better, but they do. I mean, there's, it's either that or death, right? I know. It really is. Well, I really, um, finally, we got about 30 seconds left. Anything else you want to leave our, our listeners with today, Brian? And I really appreciate your time and your expertise.
1: No, just keep things going in the right direction. Uh, work with work with the laws and legislators trying to encourage them to, to move things in the right direction. The uh, overdose deaths are, are skyrocketing in the region. Uh, and all the associated problems that come with this. So this is a real problem, one of the worst uh, that we're facing of our generation right now.
2: And, you know, that's the point. It impacts all of us, whether we've got someone who's oh, addicted or not. It's the crime. It's it's all the other things in society. Let's make society better. Let's all support this, whether it impacts yeah. us directly or not. Well, again, Deputy Chief Brian Foley from the Hartford Police Department, thank you for being thank here. Thank you so much. Thanks. It was thank a thank great conversation. Me. And Lisa DeMatis lepore this was a, a very interesting conversation. And We want to have you back. Always. Absolutely. Yeah. Because he's really...
1: Oh, yeah. Very shy, too. Really cute. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and we want to thank all of our listeners for tuning in to this edition of The Connection right here on WTIC News Talk 1080. So...